Hello and welcome to episode 276 of the Fabulous Pelton Cast, sponsored by our friends at Pagliacci Pizza. I'm your co-host, Kevin Pelton. And I'm Tristan Carcino. And we are coming to you from Renton, Washington, home of the Super Bowl 48 champion Seattle Seahawks. Hello. You're back. I'm back. You're back from Baltimore. How how was the trip? Did you see the warehouse? We saw the Brooks Robinson statue. Uh, uh kind of all of Baltimore looks like a warehouse. Hey, okay, that checks out. Now, there's only one that's presumably behind right field at I, Camden Yards. I can't Oriole say for sure. Camden. This is no offense to Baltimore. It's just a very old city. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I, I've got more to say on this, but I we're not getting into it yet, are we? No. You will have Baltimore food talk later in its appropriate place. In, in its appropriate podcast. place, where it belongs. <laughs> In the Seattle slash Las Vegas slash food Tristan didn't eat in Los Angeles slash Baltimore food. You know what? Section. This might be a food Tristan didn't eat in Baltimore. Oh, also. no. Well, well, let's talk about a beer we are going to drink, which is because there's a story about this. The Fremont Fog Party West Coast IPA. So you picked this up a few weeks ago when we went to the Beer Junction after picking up Maono as part of our search for Seattle's best fried chicken. And you, you just saw it and saw Fremont beer and we're like, that's great. But it turns out, so this was brewed in celebration of Super Deli Mart's 8th anniversary. And where, you ask, is Super Deli Mart? Where? Right where? down the street from me. Where is Super Deli Mart? In Fallerai. There we it go. It turns out, and they have 16 local beers and ciders on tap, including multiple Fremont taps. You can see why Fremont was excited to celebrate them. This is like a West Seattle-specific variant, right? <laughs> this, this particular beer. I mean, yeah. I think you can... I don't know if you can get it at the actual Fremont Brewery, but it makes sense that we were able to get it at, uh, and they have it on tap at, at Deli Mart, Super Deli Mart, obviously. So I, I naturally walked up there and uh, had dinner this evening. They're they're apparently also famous for their uh, their cheesy British sandwiches. Okay. Which sounds like it's a form of British television, actually. Cheesy British sandwich. <laughs> what is a cheesy British uh, sandwich? It appears to basically just be a roast beef. It's on a hoagie. Was it good? It was good. All right. Yeah. But the and had a beer, so it was a good time. Did you what beer did you have? I'm not totally sure because their their beer list turned out not to match what was online, so I was thrown as I was in oh, line yeah, you and trying to figure it out. But I, it was a hazy IPA, I know that for sure. Okay. So we'll we'll check out this West Coast IPA from Fremont. It's very cold. There. I like it. You do prefer it that way. Uh our first toast. To Matt Hasselbeck and Mike Holmgren, the two MHs, who will both enter the team's Ring of Honor this season. There we go. Matt Hasselbeck becomes the 10th player in the Ring of Honor, while Holmgren joins Chuck Knox as the second coach. And there had only been two inductees, Walter Jones in 2014 and, and former owner Paul Allen posthumously in 2019, uh, inducted since 2006. I, wow. I assumed that they were doing like one a season and that they were doing two this year to make up for not having one last year. But it turns out not the case at all. Uh, so Hasselbeck will be honored October 25th against New Orleans, fitting since his last Seahawks home game, as I think Bob Condota pointed out, was the Beastquake game against the Saints. I recall that one. At uh, whatever they were calling Lumen Field at that point. Mm -hmm. And then Holmgren the following Sunday, October 31st, against Jacksonville. <laughs> and that's fitting because his last season was a 5-11 and 11 season. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, Wow. Was that a, it was, uh, were they five and eleven? Or were they four and twelve? I think they, they were four and twelve. Four and twelve. I thought they were four and twelve with Mora the next year. Yeah, I, they run together those seasons. <laughs> I re mostly remember red zone for those seasons. 
I think there was a big victory against Jacksonville. Yeah. Uh, I remember beating Byron Leftwich for sure at home. That's what, that's what I'm telling you, though, is that they're going to have so many Ring of Honor players yes. from this era. Like, there are 10 right now. There's going to be 25 when we're done. No, if I go that far. Oh, they're going to... Sean Alexander, I mean, this is... Sure, Sean Alexander will get in. He was the MVP of the league. Exactly. He was an MVP. The Seahawks' only MVP, right? Correct. I still regard that as Walter Jones' as MVP, rightfully. It's true. Well, he's in the Ring of Honor before <laughs> Sean Alexander. He is, so yes. There is some justice. But, like, we're talking, they're going to have to go deep. They're going to have to get to... I mean, the entire LO... Well, not the entire LOP. I don't three, think three-fourths of the Legion of Boom. The three fixtures of the LOB will for sure be in it. Obviously, Russell Wilson, uh, many, many other, Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright. So, yeah, it, get ready to expand that ring of honor. You're, you're correct. All right, our next toast to Christian Roldan, who served as captain for the MLS All-Star squad in Wednesday's match versus Liga MX's All-Stars. All six Sounders, including both Roldans, started. As MLS and Liga MX drew 1-1 in regulation, MLS won the shootout in impressive fashion. Actually, it was probably more in weak fashion for Liga MX uh, since there were several misses. Also, the first game appearance for Sounders defender Nuhu in multiple months as he's been coming back from injuries. He was in the 18 on Sunday but did not see any action. So, great to see him back on Saturday, I should say. Uh, Lastly, as far as toasts, uh, best wishes a get well soon to former storm forward Alicia Clark, who was unable to attend Monday's ceremony at the White House honoring the 2020 champions after testing positive for a breakthrough case of COVID-19. So that was sad to see on Instagram and hope she uh, it feels well soon. Uh, it, it was notable for the storm to be the first female professional sports team honored by Joe Biden uh, since he took office and the first WNBA champions to visit the White House since I think 2015. So, it had been a minute. This was something that wasn't a part of the Storm's last championship in 2018. Something, an invitation they did not want and was not offered to yeah. them. So it was nice to see this this uh, this happen again. Although I was reminded of how much I regret not like trying to pay my way to go with the team in 2011 when they went to the White House because that would have been a one in a once in a lifetime experience. All right, last call for fantasy football. We have a couple more spots available in our leagues if you're still looking to play with us this season. Also, if you have received the email about fantasy football timing and scoring and not replied, please get that into us so we can get those drafts set up for next week. Uh, and I think we, we ought to say at this point, we're a few weeks out from what we had said to save the date for the live Feltoncast live show. I think at this point you can no longer you can you can free that date if you have been saved yet. We'll maybe be looking to doing something a little bit later, depending on the uh, is conditions warrant in the Seattle area as we uh, uh, continue to deal with COVID nineteen. All right, with that, I think it's time to turn to our search for Seattle's best fried chicken. All right, it's time for round three of the quarterfinals in our search for Seattle's best fried chicken. And to help us pick a winner this week between Heaven Sent Fried Chicken, the four seed, and Fast Chicken and Waffles, the five seed, we turn to our other Talking Taco Time co-host. We had Chris Smith last week, and this week we bring in Randy Cote. Uh, thanks so much for joining us and helping us with this. Hello, it is, it is an honor to be here. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your fried chicken credentials? You know what? 
I don't, I don't mean to pat myself on the back, but I've got some serious fried wow. chicken credentials. Hello. Um, you know, <laughs> as per everyone uh, that grew up around here, ate a lot of Albertson's fried chicken uh, in my mm-hmm. childhood. We're talking a lot. Uh, we, you know, had it right down the street. You're bringing home that uh, that eight piece meal and that that two dollar hot French bread they make at four o'clock. You know, you know the drill. It is what it That's is. That's good stuff. Um, definitely in high school, branched out into the Azels world. Um, had some friends that went to Garfield and got indoctrinated to that pretty quickly. And then here's the real kicker in college when I was home on uh, summer break, my first summer break home from college, I worked in the Albertsons deli at the Canyon wow. Park Albertsons and made Albertsons fried chicken on the regular. So you're our, our Chris yes. uh, on the fried chicken. Absolutely. Podcast. I mean, not as many like crazy combinations. You basically took the chicken, you put it in the breading, and then you fried it, and then you gave it to the people. You couldn't like, you know, get super crazy. Or maybe I just wasn't that imaginative at 19, but. Yeah. If you were Jake one, you you would have invented something. There would have been some sort of stuffed Albertson's chicken <laughs> situation. Like, okay, like a chicken cord like, Yeah, It would be beloved by now. And then, yeah, uh, we had a, there was a place down at, we went to when I was in college called Lolo's Chicken and Waffles, which was kind of a, like we went in our friend group and it became our, our beloved thing. You go back 10 years later, they've got multiple locations. It's like the hottest thing. People love it. So I don't want to say that we discovered Lolo's Chicken and Waffles, <laughs> but we were on it before. It was cool. And I typically enjoy a good fried chicken when we, uh, when we travel to this day. So nice uh i just want to note for the record that our albertson's pod will be called you got albert sunned mm. no nope. let's nope. let's let's keep working on that oh, okay <laughs> yeah. well threw that out there uh <laughs> so, you got albert sunned yeah no <laughs> we'll, we'll workshop that i suppose uh randy i feel uh, like we- Al- albert's sons I don't know. Look, definitely workshop that one. We've got time. We're also never doing an Albertsons podcast. No, we're not. I mean, obviously, we're doing a Safeway pod instead. Randy, had you been to either Heaven Said? Obviously, you mentioned Cos- Cosbros. <laughs> anyway, um, I had, yes, I, I have actually had been to both before. Okay. Um, I yeah, I the last time I had. Um, Fats was in September of 2020. It was a takeout situation. We were we stayed for a couple of weeks, kind of in the neighborhood while uh, we were selling our house. So we definitely had to have fats. So we we're uh, around the corner. And then I think the last time I had Heaven Sent was in like February of 2020. So I had both not, not too long ago. Yeah, that's good. You know, a basis to go on. What, what did you think going this time? Uh, I, is, do you just want me to pick one and start with it? No. Okay. Well, no, yeah, no, don't make a <laughs> just selection. Just in general. Ride, but you can, you can, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, you just can, like talk can, about let, my experience. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. Great. So let, I, let's start, yeah, Fats was let's the, start fa- by talking about Fats. Yeah, I was going to say, fa- yes. Fats was the first one I went to. Went on Thursday, uh, met up with a friend for lunch, um, got a, you know, it's in the name, it's Fats Chicken and Waffles, right? So it definitely had to get, uh, the chicken and waffle, I got it with the breast. And then to make sure that I got some bone in, I ordered the Thank side you. of two legs mm-hmm. um, to make sure that I really got crucial. some of that. Um, love the seasoning, love the crunch on the breading. It's got this nice peppery, um, you know, crunch. The, of course, the breast that comes with the chicken and waffles is a boneless situation. 
um, you know, controversial in some circles. But yeah, the seasoning was, seasoning was pretty good. The breast was definitely, um, it was juicy enough, but it was sort of what it was. Honestly, the waffle, the kind of uh, lackluster. I've, I've had better uh, waffles at fats and in general. Um, but as a total dish, the chicken and waffles was great. But really, obviously, I isolated the chicken first, had it before putting any syrup or anything on it. And then uh, we got to talk about the, the legs here. Very dry, uh, very dry. Obviously the seasoning seasoning's good, uh, but the legs were pretty dry. I was not impressed with um, the legs. And yeah, when it comes to sort of the extras, like I said, the waffle was not great that we had, we got fries as a side. My friend got a biscuit sandwich. The fries were superb, um, but yeah, the legs not, not great and yeah the breast like could breast could have been better so wow i'm shocked to hear you say this about the chicken legs because how how fresh were they when you had them I mean, did you sit down were, and eat there yeah we sat down and ate in the restaurant we were planning on taking out but when we showed up there was only one other group in the entire restaurant so we just sat in the opposite corner of them and um figured you know all things considered it was it was all right to to be in there so yeah we got it straight away and yeah it was not great I'm shocked to hear this info. So my fats experience, I picked it up on Saturday night and took it over to Chuck's Hop Shop, Ooh. not far away, and enjoyed it on the patio there. Uh, yeah, I, my, my goal at one point was to like have basically all of this chicken at various beer bars in the Seattle area. Sadly, I, I failed that because I did not have enough time uh, after picking up Heaven Sent to go somewhere on Sunday. But uh, uh, So I had it reasonably fresh. I went with the, the sampler. The, uh, the fat sampler, which has the, you have your choice of, is with the, uh, the chicken and waffles, the breast, the thigh, or the chicken legs. Naturally, it went with the thigh, which is also boneless, and just had it by itself. It also comes with, you get cheese grits, mm-hmm. a biscuit, and a choice of two sides, which I went with red beans and rice and rice and gravy, which were all outstanding. But uh, I, I thought the thigh, to me, it was the most reminiscent of the screen door chicken which is my remains my favorite has not been even remotely touched by any of the saddle chicken that we've had despite the fact that it is not bone-in fried chicken but i i do agree that it's not as juicy and is in quite as flavorful even though the spicing is pretty good as the the, the screen door but that's that's not necessarily the standard here what about the legs though i i i didn't like i i didn't have them fresh the last time I, I didn't think they were exemplary, but I didn't think they were specifically dry. Really? To me, those chicken legs were a freaking revelation. I mean, I, I, I went there earlier today and had both of these meals back to back. So I had to cheat a little bit, uh, having traveled and been busy with a bunch of stuff. I was not able to make it to heaven sent. So Kevin told me, he was like, I think it's more important that you go to fats and have it fresh, then get to heaven sent. And I said, I'm a competitor, right? I can't get to heaven sent right now. I understand the limitations of what I can do. The limitations of geography. But I mean, they are a very north-based situation, right? Lake City and South Everett, famously not near the Rent Kent area. (laughs) No. Are there, are there, is there a difference between Lake City and South Everett? I don't mean to offend the North End, but these are the <laughs> same thing, difference. right? That's like saying, is there oh, look, a difference, difference between White I'm Center driving. and Auburn? Definitely a difference. Are you kidding me? Wow. 
My knowledge of Seattle geography extends to the University of Washington and no further north. <laughs> That's accurate. It, May- does, it actually doesn't even extend to there, come to think of it. Maybe Northgate. Uh, but, so I said to myself, there's an Azelle's eight minutes away from me, or less, when oh, I'm picking very, up they're fast very close to each other. And there's not an Azelle's, there's the Azelle's, the only one that matters. Correct. On 23rd. So I said to myself, if... The Azella's fried chicken, we had it previously, back-to-back with Heaven Sent. And I think both of our takeaways was that they're almost exactly the same. The the differences are extraordinarily small between the two. Heaven Sent was better, but there's not a big difference. So, if Azella's fried chicken is better than fast fried chicken, Azella's is clearly the winner because Heaven Sent is better than Azella's. Heaven Sent is clearly the winner. Or by Heaven the, Sent by is the transitive Heaven, yeah, yeah, it's a transitive property. property. It, I, I'm with you. Yeah. So I thought I, w- I would be safe. And I'm eating these chickens literally back to back. So I ate fast chicken and waffles. I had the leg and then I had the thigh, which is a large thigh. It's a good size thigh. I'll tell you, p- people, I, I get the allure of not including the bones. I understand what you're going for. Well, I mean, it's for the chicken and waffle purposes, clearly. But do they do the thigh on? Yes, it's an option. What is the normal chicken that's on the chicken and waffle? You, you have a choice when you order if you want the thigh or the breast. Both deboned okay, and kind I, I of flattened it. out, but you do get a choice. I think you can kind of kind of miss me with the uh, like pounded down chicken on the waffle, to be honest. I think the flavoring is good, but it's almost not even chicken. Like... All of the reasons that fried chicken is good are not there's. I know I'm not going to go that far. Actually, what takes a fried chicken from really good seasoning on the breading, and what turns it into truly great fried chicken is the juiciness within the chicken, and you lose a lot of that when you put it with the waffle in that way. So the flavoring can be good on the chicken and waffle on that piece of chicken, but I think. I think you're you're only you can get to like sixty percent of what makes a really great fried chicken when it's prepared that way. Now, chicken and waffles together is a different kind of meal, especially with syrup. But we're not looking for Seattle's best chicken and waffles. We're looking for Seattle's best fried chicken. Therefore, I really still had to judge the thigh on its own and the legs. However, I thought the legs were phenomenal. I mean, I had that first leg and i was like i told kevin i was on the phone with him uh because this, that's what we do we call it an offline podcast and i was just like have you does anybody know about fried chicken because <laughs> this, this yes. is incredible good, good what point. i'm eating here so i did that and then did the the Azels immediately after after having two pretty large pieces of chicken back to back well, why don't you just go into telling us about his house and, and then we can have Randy talk about Heaven Sent. You know, the I don't need to talk too much about his house. People know what it is. But I went with the two-piece, two-piece dark or mixed and spicy. Both phenomenal. Almost like you couldn't even really tell what types of pieces of chicken they were. I think that I had a thigh that extended to multiple different places. Is that What did you have? You had the second piece. I, I Oh. I thought that was a thigh. Is this like the, the Pelton cast geography equivalent of like chicken anatomy? <laughs> like it oh, was... well, the... we, we had that last year when Tristan was confused about with why, whether he liked thighs or breast in like teriyaki. Remember that came oh, up? Yeah. And I didn't like the thigh, but now I'm highly pro-thigh. <laughs> or I guess, no, that was chicken sandwiches we were chicken discussing. Sandwich. Yeah, chicken yeah, teriyaki sandwich. is almost exclusively thigh. 
you can yeah. get breast you can teriyaki yeah, for extra. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's definitely not as good but you know it's kind of like a misshapen piece but it is L's and I'll, I'll say heaven sent in here it's really a, if you if they do it right it's a pretty perfect fry what they're doing at those those locations you know it's pretty incomparable all right, Randy, how was your experience at Heaven Sent? All right, so I went for lunch yesterday to Heaven Sent. Um, sidebar, had a, a new hire uh, start, uh, just hired a new person at work. She was in new hire orientation from nine to two. Perfect opportunity to sneak away and go to Heaven Sent for lunch on her first Love. day. Um, Should have brought her back something. I mean, really. Um, to say- You went to Heaven Sent. I went she to Heaven Sent. She was stuck in a windowless conference room for five hours. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> did did taco time come up during your orientation it came up during her interview that's for sure well there i mean we the, the starry night painting is in my office so like how are you not going <laughs> to comment on it anyway heaven sent it was a truly religious experience i after biting into the leg so my order i because i needed to get a leg to go side by side with the leg i got at um at fats so i ordered a leg a thigh, which is the goat of fried chicken. Um, and then because I was like, ah, you know, two pieces, I'm probably gonna be hungry. I got a snack size spicy strips too. Cause you can oh, yeah. never, that, I mean. That is the that is the exact order I got. Okay, You're perfect. Um, yeah. So I, I go in, order my thing, take out, eat it in the car. I bit into that leg and I was, you know, by myself in a car, didn't have anyone to call for an offline podcast. I think I like screamed out loud, like, God, that's good. Like. <laughs> So it was everything I wanted the other, the fat's leg to be. It was juicy. It was crunchy. It was the perfect, it was perfectly cooked. Um, some breading kind of falling off of it. I think that's kind of, you know, um, par for the course with heaven sent. Um, by the way, there was an extra leg in there. I got two legs for the price of one. Wow. So my like, I was no, I think that's I think that's how it's designed because the that threw me when I first ordered. It's like the leg is the same price as the breast and the thigh, and it's like, wait a second here, what's going on? Oh, so what's going on? Yeah, I thought, I'm still going to order two the it. leg and not two thighs, but I, they, I also got two, so I think that's I think the that standard. must be the thing. That so yeah, so the leg, fantastic. The thigh, oh my god, like it was just I ate this and I was just like, this is what fried chicken should be. It was so juicy the crunch was incredible obviously the seasoning seasoning isn't as like complex as um fats right it's not there's not yeah. pepper and you know different seasonings it's pretty straightforward but it's just done really well um and then obviously the spicy strips were fantastic um got a couple dipping sauces for those that was kind of extracurricular um because i feel like i wasn't judging it head to head but um yeah, and of course the roll with the strips to finish it all off. Again, if I was comparing the the carb, the complimentary carb that I got, um, the waffle versus the roll, I kind of want to cut open a roll, put a piece of chicken on it and some syrup and call it like a low rent, like heaven sent Azelle's chicken and waffles. Like the roll is just so, so perfect. Definitely a move that they should consider. Yeah. Like put the roll batter in a waffle iron. Come on, it's not that hard, people. <laughs> Wow. No, the roll is perfect on it. Yeah, don't touch because the you roll. Could, you could break it apart. It's so flaky. You pull it apart. I mean, every time you get strips, you have to make at least one strip sandwich with the rolls. Because if you're doing it right, you're ordering extra rolls. Yeah, of course. 
Well, maybe not if you're having the uh, the three pieces of fried chicken and then. God, the I mean, and there were I, I got the kids like snack one because I just wanted a couple strips. It felt like there were like four or five in there. So I yeah, I think I had five or it six. It was out of control. I was so full. <laughs> it was it was it was a beautiful place to be. I did not eat my second leg. I had to save that for I, I ate it earlier today. All right, Kevin, I'm I'm going to start us off here. Okay, with my pick, and I got to say. As I make this, I feel like I had a different. You didn't have a heaven sun experience at all. I had a very different heaven sun experience than Randy. Wow! Because this was the on the day the weakest heaven sent fried chicken I've Ooh. ever had of the many times I've been there, mostly wow. in the Renton location when it was open. Okay. It was it was actually to the extent that it reminded me of going to a franchise to non twenty thirds is else. Wow! So. My pick for here is four fats. Wow. Based on this. Based I mean, look, I hate to judge them based on the worst meal I've had there, but also the, it, there's a certain element of consistency that is an important part Embedded of this in competition. The search. Yeah. All right, Tristan. Uh you know, I bit into that chicken leg and I thought to myself, this is maybe Seattle's best fried chicken, the fats chicken leg. And as I was eating the thigh, I was like, this is phenomenal. I don't think I could have a better experience. The flavoring, the seasoning on Fats Chicken, it is borderline perfect. No. And then I, ha- yeah. I had the Heaven Sent Fried Chicken. and You, you had this else, actually. But for, for, the, for the sake of drama. You had the transitive Heaven Sent. I, I had the Heaven Sent Fried Chicken. And you bite into it, and it's simple, but it's just, it's what fried chicken should taste like. It really is, I think that Heaven Scent is a more flavorful chicken in a lot of different ways. Or, or sorry, Fats is a more flavor, flavorful chicken in a lot of different ways. But also, Fats is meant to be eaten with a waffle. And we're not searching for Seattle's best fried chicken and waffles here. We're searching for Seattle's well, best we fried should. chicken. Yeah, one, one day, yes. Picture. Summer of 2028. <laughs> and the, the, the complex simplicity of the Heaven Sent Fried Chicken, it's perfectly juicy. You know, they've been doing this for decades, right? They know what they're doing with fried chicken. There's a reason that when I went into the, the we're going to call it a Heaven Sent, on... <laughs> on 23rd <laughs> that there was a line of people out the door there were 10 15 people waiting for fried chicken at 8 30 p.m on a wednesday night like it's not because they have bad fried chicken and i don't think popularity on its own is worth it but in this scenario it just it just delivers for me this was the hardest to pick of the first two round or first three rounds of the, well, the, the four or five matchup chicken. it better be tough right like it means we've seeded correctly here. We we did not seed Quick Pack. Correctly. <laughs> I think Quick Pack was deeply underseeded, which might have thrown off the whole bracket. And Mono maybe would would have emerged out of this matchup if if they were in the four or five if, if they were seeded differently. But you know, I just I bit into the to the Heaven Sent Fried Chicken. And I was like, this. Who am I kidding? Don't don't kid yourself. This is it. This is the winner of this round of Seattle's best fried chicken. Randy, we have a split decision so far. 
somebody has to unsplit it. I think we go to a shootout. I th- as they would say in hockey, you know, they don't have shootouts in the playoffs. You know that, right? Um, just got to get these teachable moments in there one by one. Uh, I think in the base, they just keep playing overtime <laughs> forever, forever. They just play them forever. Um, yeah, I think you, you kind of tell by my reaction. Heaven sent was just a phenomenal experience. I I've been to heaven sent multiple times, uh, both locations, South Everett and Lake city. Um, I've never had a bad experience there. I agree with the sentiment that it is consistently just one iota better than Azelle's. I think maybe they, it's fried for a little bit longer. The, the, the breading's a little bit flakier. There's something about it where it's just a, just something a little bit different. Um, and yeah, I think for me that both the reason I ordered two different types of chicken at fats was to, you know, make sure I wasn't just getting a boneless or bone in. I wanted to really spread it around. And I, while I was eating it, I loved the overall dish. Like Tristan was saying, like the chicken waffles all together is a great dish combined, but before I ate it and I just had the chicken, it was not as you know juicy or, you know, uh, sort of the whole package that you want when you bite into a piece of, of fried chicken. It just didn't, uh, just didn't scratch the fried chicken itch, so to speak. Whereas the second I had heaven sent, I was like, it's, it's game over for me. So yeah, I, I gotta go with, uh, with heaven sent. So heaven sent our third semifinalist. We'll find out next week, whether they square off in the semifinals against data, the one seed cookies or the eight seed simply soulful. Wow. Uh, but I'm excited to go back, and I, I think I'm going to try the South Everett location before a storm game at some point, if that times up correctly with the semifinal, and hopefully I'll have a better heaven spent experience than I did this time. Totally. This is the first, yeah. this is the first time we've gone chalk, right? I believe that is the case. Wow. Yes. wow. All right. Uh, well, next week we're going to have to do the one versus the eight. We already have a plans to do it, as we'll talk about soon. The double header with the rain and the sounders leaves a perfect amount of time in between <laughs> to hit cookies country chicken. It's a fried chicken sized break between the two. Incredible. Matches. Now a note, if anybody else is eating along out there when we had cookies the first time, it's been a long time. So long. It was March or April when we had cookies the first time. Could have been February. Could have been February. The, I called them talk to cookie. <laughs> I don't think he knew it was cooking. It was a hundred percent cookie, <laughs> and was like, "Do you do any spice on that?" And Cookie was like, "I'd do a Nashville style, like one to five, and I think I did a three. Uh, the, so I do not believe this is on the menu. It may be now. I've definitely seen it, the mention on Instagram. Okay, it's not Just, a secret. I'm it, not saying it it's a secret. I'm this is advice. I'm not saying this is a sneak necessarily. I'm saying when we had the cookies chicken. They did it, and it's not Nashville hot chicken. It's just he said Nashville style, like one to five, and I did two or three. Like we're not saying that they added it to the menu because Tristan called them, but we're not saying. Okay, that. we are definitely not saying that. <laughs> uh, so we got the news last week that the Kraken's number two overall pick, Matty Beniers, headed back to Michigan for his sophomore season. This shouldn't be a surprise to us, right? No, not at all. Um, my, my take is that he wouldn't be playing in Seattle for a year or two. Like if he made the jump straight from another college season to the NHL, it'd be pretty remarkable, but you know, I expect a lot of these guys to go play in Palm Springs for a little bit, but definitely I, I was pretty certain he was going to go back to Michigan for at least one more season. 
and joined by his two other teammates who were top five picks. Correct. Yeah. I also wanted to ask you about the OL rain game you attended <laughs> last week- weekend. We saw that on the gram. Quite a thrilling game. I saw the rain down to nothing was just wrote it off was like, okay, well, good job. Good effort. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, let's just say you live by the VAR, you die by the VAR. And in a league that doesn't have VAR, <laughs> you live by the VAR. Uh, yeah, both of the both of the takedowns, quote unquote, in the box were very on the line. One from when we were sitting on that side of the, the field. Um, so I don't know when you looked at it, what the first one was definitely just right inside the box. The second one was questionably right outside. And yeah, it was, it was pretty awesome. Obviously they were going to let Pino take the the kicks and she nailed it. And actually the second one, I think what you didn't see um, either in the highlights or on the gram, um, one of the players from Gotham FC kind of broke the, broke the 18 line when she was going to go, go kick it. And so she kind of like, you know, Pino held up her arms as sort of like, what is, what is she doing over here? She's breaking the rules. Can we like try this again? So um, that was also a little kind of comedic moment. There was all this tension and drama. The Gotham player crossed the line. So she didn't even kick it. And Pino kind of gave this look of like, come on, what are we doing here? I'm trying to take a kick. It was kind of fun, but yeah, it was great atmosphere. We heard from one of the parking attendants they were only expecting, you know, a thousand or fifteen hundred fans, um, and we the attendance I think was somewhere thirty five hundred, four thousand, somewhere in there. So, I mean, nice. pretty typical for the first game after an Olympics or a World Cup. People right. tend to turn out to see the stars. So, well, hopefully, we'll talk about this later. The uh, the Sounders Rain side by side game that's coming up this Sunday that Tristan and I will be attending. And uh, hopefully that translates into bigger crowds for OL Rain the rest of the season. People are willing to make drive down to Tacoma as you did. Totally. Yeah, it was. A, we made a day out of it. We went and got a taco truck, had eight, eight tacos in Wright Park and got some Hello Cupcakes, which is they brand themselves as Tacoma's best cupcake bakery and then went to the game. And I, I mean, I don't know if we have to be the judge of this or if there's a Tacoma equivalent of the fabulous Mountain cast that should be the judge of this. Truly, truly. So yeah, have fun at the match. I was I was really hoping to go to that. We're going to be at back to back weddings this weekend, which is the opposite of back to back soccer games. So <laughs> conveniently, I'm going to a wedding this weekend, but conveniently, it's on Saturday. In between the sporting events I'm attending Friday with the storm and Sunday with rain and sounders, <laughs> so I'll get three teams out of my two days of going. To Perfect. Games. Well, thanks so much to Randy for helping us pick. Uh, pick our latest semi-finalist. An, an interesting result. It was the first time the two of us were split on this one. Yeah, but every single one of these votes has been a two-to-one vote. There's not no, been a, a no unanimous decision. Uh, you know, they're they're very close. I will say. Yes. So, and I don't think, and they're only going to get close. Uh, other than this one-eight matchup, may not it be as close? But as we get into the semifinals, I think they're only going to get closer. We advertised this at the top. It's time for our Baltimore food update from from our correspondent, who is you. Our Baltimore food update. Yeah. Uh, I have nothing to say about Baltimore food. Nothing. I re- I just not because it's a bad thing. I just didn't really have time to to focus that much on food in Baltimore. I mean, I looked at 
there are a couple of fried chicken places that I tried to get to closed. Um, when I had time to eat in Baltimore was either too late or too early. So the restaurants just like weren't open at the right time. I went to Dunkin Donuts two days in a row. <laughs> you could see it from the hotel and I was just like, all right, I guess I'm going to Dunkin Donuts. Um, I was staying in like straight like downtown on a weekend, basically. Right. And like things aren't aren't open in the same way. Yeah, that it, makes sense. It's a very small town, I would say. You could travel basically anywhere throughout the city in like 10 minutes max. Um, but what I did learn about in Baltimore is the rainier of Baltimore, baby. That's true. And this is, I pride myself on being able to go to a city and learn this. This one is a little bit of trial by fire though. So I went to a bar on Thursday night when I got in and saw that they had a special that said Natty Bow 32 ounces. And I was just like, I don't, I don't know what that is. Didn't get it. I thought it was a type of drink, like a cocktail or something. It was like a pretty two ounce cocktail. It was a pretty grimy spot that I was at. And I was just like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to ask. So then I'd seen, I, I clocked it though. I put it, put it in my mind and I was like, that's a thing that I need to figure out. And so the next night I'm at a bar drinking all of these other things, right? I'm drinking like, or like, what is a local, local beer? I'm drinking like a fucking hazy IPA, uh, haterade sour or whatever is what it was called stuff like that it was fine got to a point where it's like i just need a light american lager and so I, I was talking to the bartender and i was like do you have like a pbr or something like that and he said these words and i could not understand what he's saying and he said it back to me like three times and then he was like he, i heard it and he was like natty bow and then he showed me the can, and I was like, oh, National Bohemian, they call it Natty Bow. I get it. It all, like, clicked into place. And then I was like, I was like, is this from here? And he was like, it used to be. And I was like, exactly. There you go. I know what we're talking about here. Uh, I haven't even done the research. I haven't looked into it. Uh, and, and he was like, do you want to close out? And I was like. Or he was like, that's $6. And and he was like, do you want to close out? And I was like, this is, and he was like, there's a $10 minimum. Uh, and I was like, I'll have four Natty Bows. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then there's a little like caricature on the can, on the National Bohemian can. Uh, sorry, I want to pull it up. And he was like, I, I posted this on Instagram. Um, he was like, half the dickheads in this bar have this fucker tattooed on them. Wow. Which is the little Natty Bow guy. And I was just like, I got right behind me, sitting at my desk, this Rainier sign. And half half the dickheads in here probably have this fucking R from Rainier tattooed on them. And I was like, this is the Rainier of Baltimore. It's a very like one-eyed Mr. Pringles yeah. lo- looking logo, the Natty Bow logo. I and manufacturer Pabst Brewing Company. Of course, it is probably the exact same thing that is going into Rainier. Do, camp do, that do we you know what out. the name of the the logo is? The what is the name? Mister Bow. Mister Bow. Mister Bow. Colloquially, Natty Bow. <laughs> and so the next night, I was able to order a Natty Bow. Just be like, oh, I have a Natty Bow. A neon sign currently sits atop the former site of the brewery in the Brewers Hill neighborhood of Baltimore. It's just I mean, like, come on, what are we doing here? I said Baltimore. I said Baltimore was an old city, but 
They are no different than any other city in this country, and every city has a beer like this, and I am going to find... Look, Natty Bow Draft also became available at Oriole Park at Camden Yards for the home season opener in 2011. There you go. Yeah. The house that Junior built. Tristan, <laughs> Tristan search for the radiator of every city. We need, a, we need like a page devoted to this. <laughs> the other sneak that happened, though, was flying back from Baltimore. I had to do a layover in Dallas, Texas, which at first I thought would be uh just lengthening my journey back west which as you know flying east to west is already longer and then i realized i could i could uh uh, turn my lemons into lemonade and turn my trip in dallas into a secret lone star so getting on this trip to have learned about natty bow and sneak in a Lone Star in Dallas on the way back home. A pretty special moment. I'm going to have to do this. I'm flying through Dallas on my way back from Nashville in October. So I'm telling you. That's the play. The company's mascot, the one-eyed handlebar mustachioed Mr. Bow. <laughs> I, yeah. Has been a recognizable icon since introduction in 1936. I'm telling you, it was just like the Caps puzzles. Are you kidding me? Like wait, wait what? <laughs> they have they have puzzles in the cap uh, also. Like these, I swear to God, there's like an alternate universe where Natty Bo. There's just a fucking <laughs> like I have a Natty Bo sign Mr. behind me. This is wild. Where our logo is Mister One of Us with the Mister Bo mustache. Right when the dude said used to be, and it was just like it was like fucking Fight Club. Like everything that had ever happened to me <laughs> flashed before me, and I was like, oh my god, I was missing it the entire time. It all clicked into place. Wow. So, anyway, that was that was the most important thing that happened. It really like like I just felt when I got it, I was just like, oh, I get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Ah, mm-hmm. oh, it's such a special feeling. Should we talk about Seattle sports? <sighs> I really kind of think we should just read the Natty Bow Wikipedia. <laughs> it's page. a pretty impressive Wikipedia. <laughs> I gotta say, kudos to whoever is updating the Natty Bow Wikipedia. 4.28%. I'm going to look at Rainier Beer and see if it's 4.28%. But it's time for a different version of your favorite segment. Don't burn yourself. we got Mariners hot takes coming at you. In the Seattle Mariners' ongoing commitment to recording the most possible wins with the worst possible run differential, they managed to go 6-2 and two on their recent eight-game road trip to Texas, Houston, and Oakland, while getting outscored by nine runs because of back-to-back blowout losses to the Astros by a combined 27-4 to four margin. So lopsided, people immediately accused Houston of cheating again. After wrapping up the trip with a 5-1 win Tuesday in Oakland, manager Scott Service had his own hot take. Someone told me that our run differential was minus nine on this trip, service told reporters, but our fun differential was about plus 90. So we are going with that. Now, first, I'm curious whether fun differential is on the same scale as run differential, because a plus 90 over eight games, I couldn't figure out a way to look this up on baseball reference stat head, but presumably that's got to be a record setting eight game stretch if you're outscoring the opponents by 90 runs. So if you're plus 90 in terms of fun differential, but mostly... 
I'm here to say that Run Differential does not hate the Mariners or have any other feelings because it's just a statement of fact. The Mariners' run differential on the road trip was minus nine, and nobody else created that but the Mariners and the teams they played, I suppose. So why do we care about run differential? Well, because it's a better predictor of future results than wins or fun differential or any other stat that isn't more complex. The Mariners have a long and storied history of outperforming their run differential during their two-decade playoff drought. In 2007, when John McLaren replaced Mike Hargrove midseason, the M's won 88 games with a minus 19 run differential. The next year, they dropped to 61 wins, and McLaren and GM Bill Bavese both got fired midseason. Afterward, McLaren lamented to the Everett Herald, Maybe the 88 wins last year didn't make as much sense as we thought. We won 88 games, and then we added Eric Bedard and Carlos Silva and thought that would put us on our way. But maybe we overachieved because of the run differential. The 88 wins didn't make a lot of sense, but we still had 88 wins. We thought things would be better. Two years later, with Don Wakamatsu at the helm, the M's did it again. 85 wins with a minus 52 run differential. The next year, they dropped back to 61 wins again, and Wakamatsu got fired midseason. Oddly, the one Mariners manager to survive a stretch like this was Scott Service himself back in 2018, when the Mariners won 89 games but were outscored by 34 runs. They dropped to 68 wins the next year, but that was part of the plan after trading all their veterans. Maybe we'll see something similar this time, where the internal improvement from the Mariners' promising farm system ends up outweighing inevitable regression in the mean and one-run games. Still, Scott Service should respect Mariners' history. Fun differential now, disappointment later. This is the least fun Mariners hot take. <laughs> no, it's not even a hot take. It's just you. It's like you're fucking like you're. Oh my god. What is the word that I'm looking for? Debbie Downer? No, like it's like your calling card. Like, <laughs> this is what you do. <laughs> it is what I do. I agree. <laughs> You're right. It's not an exaggerated take. It's not even a hot take. But it's pre written. So therefore, <laughs> it's a hot take. <laughs> but it's pre written. <laughs> uh, it's the Mariners who entered today's place. So, so much hate. You're just like, just hate on everything. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the idea. Uh, the Mariners entered today three out of the second wild card. Everyone's like all excited about them catching the A's. And it's like, you know, the Red Sox and Yankees still exist too, right? Uh, they are the, the Red Sox apparently lost today. So they are now down two and a half out of that second wild there card. Uh, entering today, Fangraphs give them 4.5% odds. Fangraphs. Fangraphs is the real Debbie Downer. I mean, just telling it like it is. Uh, let's talk in happier news. Well, I, I mean, I guess the, the six and two was pretty happy, but in in uh, more sustainable news, Seattle Sounders a third consecutive road win in a seven day span on Sunday, getting a two one win over the Columbus Crew. Bradley Wright Phillips opened the scoring in his Columbus account in the seventy seventh minute, and the Sounders looked like they were in trouble on the road. But Javier Arriaga scored in the eighty eighth minute off the aftermath of a corner with a nice ball from Jimmy Madronda, followed shortly thereafter by substitute Will Bruin scoring from near the edge of the box, his first goal of the year, an improbable comeback win for the Sounders that gave them a three-point lead in the Western Conference over Sporting Kansas City, although Colorado now second in the conference in points per match as we head out of the All-Star break into... We're, we're, we're beyond the first half of the interminable MLS season, but uh, still plenty of time to go. And this Sunday, as we alluded to earlier, 
and it's part of that doubleheader, that historic doubleheader at Lumen Field. It's going to be the Sounders against the Portland Timbers for the second time in two weeks in this Derby matchup. In between the Sounders, the Timbers did the Sounders a solid by drawing Sporting Kansas City on the road. They followed that up with a 3-1 loss at Austin FC at the weekend. Portland's still on the wrong side of the playoff cutoff at 8th in the West with 1.2 points per match just ahead of LAFC and now have the worst defensive rating in MLS per 538 soccer power index. It's the first Derby match in front of fans in Seattle since July 2019, so it's been over two years now, 25 months. Uh, remarkably, the Sounders haven't beaten Portland at home in the MLS regular season since May 2017, going 0-3-2 and in that span. Did technically win the second leg of the 2018 playoff matchup between these two teams, but still came out of that matchup, the losers, having lost the aggregate series on penalties taken that night. Uh, uh, last bit of news on the Sounders. Stefan Fry has been cleared for training. Probably won't see him versus Portland, but possibly when the Sounders return to action thereafter. So it would be very exciting for the Sounders to go back from their backup Stefan to their starting Stefan. There we go. OL Reign, we talked about this with Randy, that 3-2 win Saturday against Gotham FC after they gave up two goals in the first 15 minutes to Ipiome Onumanu. Uh, the first of those assisted by Carly Lloyd, who recently announced that she'll be retiring at season end, the USWNT legend, and that 2-0 scoreline held through the 57th minute when Kristen McNabb headed home a Megan Rapino corner to cut the deficit in half. Rapino scored from the spot in the 77th minute to tie the game, then scored the game winner on a penalty called for her in the 89th minute and taken in stoppage time. That win moved the rain up to a tie for third in the NWSL standings, one point ahead of a three-team tie for fifth in the crowded playoff race for four four playoff spots in the NWSL. The uh, Portland Thorns, who the, the rain will be facing, is part of this double header of Northwest soccer, uh, clear of that group fighting, jockeying for playoff position. They can come in atop end of the NWSL standings with 32 points, five points clear of anyone else, and 10 points clear of third place. The rain did hand them one of just three losses all season for the Thorns, and the only one of those at Providence Park back in May by a 2-1 final, and they will be better rested since Portland hosted Gotham FC as part of that road trip for them on Wednesday, getting the victory. Uh, Seattle Storm, a busy week wrapping up their six-game road trip to start the second half of the post-Olympic break schedule in the WNBA. A 99-83 win Friday at New York Liberty, getting Sue Bird and Brianna Stewart back in the lineup, and 29 points from Jewel Lloyd in that one, including seven threes to tie the franchise record set by Sue Bird in 2009, which came in the triple OT game. Storm made 14 as a team, were a perfect 19 of 19 at the free throw line, and outscored the Liberty by 27 with Stewie on the court as they overcame 26 points and eight assists from old friend Sammy Whitcomb. On Sunday, it was Elena Deladon's first game back since 2019. Mystics took an early lead before the Storm bench helped rally as part of outscoring Washington 25-12 in the second quarter. 20 points, 12 boards, and 5 blocks from Brianna Stewart in that one, while Ezzie Megbegore and Mercedes Russell each scored 14 from the center position. Not as successful on Tuesday in Minnesota, where Sylvia Fowles dominated the Storm front court, scoring 29 points, grabbing 20 rebounds, and coming up with 4 steals and 3 blocks. As the Storm shot 38% from the field and a 76-70 loss, including 6 of 23 shooting from Stewie. But uh, Storm back home. The road trip is in the books. They'll be here through September 12th. 
And uh, after a back-to-back set at home this weekend against the Chicago Sky, just one game in the following eight days. So a big chance for the Storm to get some rest, get some practice, and start looking ahead to the WNBA playoffs, although they've still got a lot of positioning to, to fight for. They're, they're stuck right now in that third spot outside the top two seeds in the WNBA playoffs who get automatic buys to the semifinals. All right, UW football had its final practice open to the media last Saturday, a scrimmage where both offenses played well. Dylan Morris completed 17 of 26 passes for 214 yards, according to Mike Voro of the Seattle Times. Sam Heward ran the second-team offense with uh, veteran Patrick O'Brien sidelined, going 17 of 32 for 226 yards. Uh, Taj Davis played with both sides as UW shorthanded a receiver and had 12 catches for 183 yards in that one. So uh, some some impressive stuff from the UW offense. As Kate Otten talked after the game about how this is the best the UW offense has looked in his time at, at on Montlake. Really. Yeah, at this point, at this point of training camp, I mean, I don't, I don't know if he meant the entire, like any point during his career, but certainly relative to where they are right now. Still, uh, UW came in number sixteen and nearly tops in the Pac-12 with Utah and Oregon in the next two spots in the preseason FEI projections from Brian Freemau of uh, Football Outsiders. And then, lastly, on the UW football front, the uh, the big news in college sports this week that we I think have discussed a little bit in the past. Pac-12 announced a strategic alliance with the ACC and Big Ten on Tuesday, which will create additional non-conference scheduling between those three conferences for football and both men's and women's basketball. And the conferences have promised not to poach each other's teams, although there's nothing in writing they made clear in that press conference. And it does give the conferences a voting block for future expansion of the college football playoff, which seems likely to happen. I I didn't really understand this story. Can you explain to me a little bit further? Well, obviously the SEC is expanding. The Big 12 is kind of being left behind to some extent. We'll see if they continue to be a major conference. And the other three conferences were looking around and being like, well, I guess we kind of are aligned here, so let's uh, let's join together, even though, again, nothing formal, nothing compelling them to, to stay as part of this alliance. In opposition to the SEC. Yes. It's basically us versus them. The SEC has the most power of any individual conference, but these three conferences combined carry more weight than the SEC can. I guess so. I just still... I well, do, just, it's I, just a product of votes at some point. It's like, you know, it's, it's like you have a coalition of smaller states as opposed to one bigger state. But what does this mean, I guess? It kind of just means nothing to me. It means that they, whatever they decide can determine what the future is of the playoff in particular. In, to what regard? So whether there is a playoff or not? What the structure of that is. Whether there are requirements for how many you know games you need to play against major conference opponents, things like that. I, I mean, I like exactly what specifics, I don't know. They're just saying that they all of a sudden have a voting block now. Yes. These three conferences aligned. I mean, it's something, I suppose. I mean, they're not necessarily positioning it that way, but I think that's the practical impact. That's what they're saying here. They've got they've, they've got an alliance in survivor terms, right? Yeah. I mean, it's literally an alliance. So. Okay. Fair enough. It's something. I mean, I, the SEC only matters in football, right? 
The SEC carries the most weight in football for sure. I mean, because the ACC is a better conference in basketball than the SEC is. And this is basically just these conferences acknowledging that the only thing that actually matters is football. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, football carries outsized weight in these discussions without question. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, we talked about it a few weeks ago. Whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> we're in the middle of a fucking global pandemic that's not going away. And we're having to send our children back to school, not vaccinated. That's you could blame at Seahawks Scout for that one. Um, <laughs> I don't even. He tweeted something, a song by Queens of the Stone Age, and I didn't. I was just like, I didn't know who the hell it was, so I clicked on it. This was literally two hours ago, and uh, that just just doesn't, doesn't sound like we can blame him for that. Just started playing. Sounds like we could blame you for that one. No, it just started playing randomly two hours later. Oh, okay, you that's what I'm saying. I didn't just click on it. I clicked on it like literally two hours ago. I assumed you you were during the midst of this podcast just clicking on tweets. No, no, no. no. I'm looking for canopies in Towson, Maryland. Um, oh, as one does. <laughs> I will say I drove by a lot of colleges, uh, many of whom, I, I believe, had major upsets in the NCAA tournament. UMBC? Very, yeah. Nice. Um, but uh, I only won, actually. Just okay. UMBC. But did you drive by other colleges? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Did you see uh, Johns Hopkins? Yeah, I mean, that's where I was basically there for Johns Hopkins stuff. Oh, uh, I didn't realize that. Well, that's where the band, three-fourths of the band went to. Yes. Um, and it's like right in the heart of the city. Anyway. Ben Gulliver's alma mater, Johns Hopkins. Really? Yeah. Why? What? I don't know. It's almost like, I was like, why is he a professional basketball writer? And again, three-fourths of the band. <laughs> <laughs> That I was there to see, so I understand. Um, it checks out. But it just, who, how can we care about this right now? Like, I'm sorry, but it just feels like all, with everything that's happening in the world, caring about college football is just like the most frivolous thing. I got to right? say, that has not stopped this SEC from caring about college that's football. That's fine. But it's one of those situations where it's just like, if you care so much about this, have it. You know what I mean? Like, you know uh, what? I don't. You, I don't think that's necessarily you majority want this opinion. College football playoff. If you really care that much, take your little college football playoff. If you're willing to align with the with the governors and the people of Texas and Florida, you know what? Just have at that right now. I I, I think there probably is a lot of <sighs> a lot of alignment. It's the fucking night the before school starts. The pandemic is raging more than it has raged basically in the history of Seattle, Washington, right? Is it worse right now than it's been as far as cases go? Well, it's tough to say given the number of asymptomatic infections we're likely seeing now in the limited testing in March. I would not say. I mean, hospitalizations are probably the best metric we have for what the metric. For hospitalizations are going to be down, but that doesn't matter to children under 12. That's fair. And I'm going to care about a fucking alliance between three schools. They're playing out a fucking reality TV show in front of us right now. And we're all going along as if it matters. I, I don't know what to tell you. My hate for college football is at the highest in this very moment. <laughs> uh, should we talk about this? What, really? what did Rolo say? I haven't even, I haven't even caught up on this. Well, he's, he plans to follow the mandate. 
Wow, there we go. No, I mean, that's all he said. Oh, People God. asked him, do you plan to get vaccinated? I plan to follow the mandate. Oh, God. Just repeated that phrase. It was his version of, I'm just here so I don't get fined. So. <sighs> in happier news, should we talk about the Seahawks losing 30-3 to in the preseason? <laughs> Really this is the same. If I could tell you about how little I care about conferences forming an alliance against the SEC because they're upset about football, the amount that I care about preseason football, a game that did, did Russell Wilson play? No. Did DK Metcalf play? No. Did Tyler Lockett play? Did no. Jamal Adams play? Did Bobby no. Wagner play? No. Did Dwayne Brown play? No. no. I mean, some of those guys were holding. Dwayne Brown is still holding in, so he doesn't even <laughs> practice. He's definitely not playing. Still holding uh, in. Yeah, not really an appreciable additional number of starters played as compared to week one. Denver did play many of their starters to begin this game, wanted to give Teddy Bridgewater a chance with the number ones. Uh, Cortland Sutton did not play at wide receiver. We didn't see Von Miller play. Uh, thankfully for Alex Magoo and his his health and well-being. But most of their starters on defense played, including Justin Simmons picking Magoo off on oh, the first wow. series. Uh, former highest-paid safety before Jamal Adams' extension. Of course, the, so the biggest news that came out of this game, sadly, were the injuries. Both linebacker Ben Burkirvan and John Ursua suffering ACL tears that will end their seasons as they were placed on IR. Uh, Ursuo, no sure thing to make the roster before this. Burkirvan was pretty certain to do it as a special teams contributor and a, and a backup, a linebacker. And and uh, after his injury, we saw Nick Ballor switch primarily to play in linebacker a lot in the second half of this one. It sounds like that's going to be his primary position, not fullback going forward. Just, it's a huge bummer for Ben Burkirvan, who's, you know, NFL career, he's been a pretty good special teamer, but his, for sure. his career just kind of hasn't quite been able to get started it feels like uh i mean i think that probably is gonna was gonna be his role and, and will still be his role but yeah it's it's definitely a bummer to see anybody go down and and the reality is we talk about this as if it's a difference if it happens in the preseason versus the regular season it doesn't fucking matter right it's not like you're more or less injured if it happens in the preseason versus the regular season or there's one that's justified and one that's not justified they make you play players in these games they only allow right. so many roster spots on the team you can't have a complete second team to play in the preseason so if you want to complain about players getting injured in the preseason you need to complain about the entire idea of the preseason and at that same time you need to which I probably am, uh, believe that not playing in the preseason makes you no less likely to get injured during the regular season. I think the reality is it's a dangerous sport and players are going to get injured no matter when they're playing. So anytime that there is football happening, there are going to be people injured. Preseason makes there be more football happening. So maybe that's an argument, but I just don't. To, to Ben Burkirvan being out for the year, it doesn't fucking matter. Whether he was injured in the preseason or in the regular season, he's going to miss a year of football. Uh, so after throwing a couple of picks, Alex Magoo, uh, who got the start on Saturday, was waived afterwards as the Seahawks went down from 85 to 80 with that roster cut. Uh, also tight end Dominic Wood Anderson, who was called for five penalties <laughs> in this game. Uh, the Seahawks re-signed Luke Wilson earlier this week. 
before he then announced his retirement before Thursday's practice. What? And was wiped. Yeah, you didn't see him. He retired. You were all excited he was back. I just love the idea. I don't care about the Seahawks signing Luke Wilson. I love the idea of the Seahawks not being able to quit Luke Wilson, just constantly re-signing him. I mean, it, it's it's not. So he he did the 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 Luke Skywalker thing, and then retired. Wait, then he did the other Luke Skywalker thing. Oh no! Throws it, throws it, you know, throws it off the. Cliff. Oh no! Uh, he explained in an Instagram post that he had Big dealt with fan of the sequels. <laughs> well, <laughs> they were just relevant to what he was doing. I don't know if it was necessarily that he's the biggest fan of the third trilogy. He, he thinks me. he he thinks the original trilogy is bullshit. <laughs> If I'm to understand the memes. Not put words in Luke Wilson's mouth. Uh, he explained in the Instagram post that he dealt with pericardial effusion, uh, build up of extra fluid in the space around the heart during the offseason. And that you know, kind of reevaluated that after he came back and, and practiced with the team earlier this week. And, and that led him to the decision to go into retirement. So certainly we wish Luke Wilson well in that uh, he's got a unique role in Seahawks history. <laughs> Was this so? Was his signing a real signing? Like they were signing yeah. him to be on the team? No, I mean he practiced. Like he was gonna be part of the team, and then and then today he was just like, "I'm good. That's yeah. it." Wow, that is incredible. Was... I'll tell you. Look, look. I complain about preseason football, but this is what preseason football is all about: <laughs> is Luke wasn't being signed and retiring within a day's span. And today I learned, I look at his Wikipedia page that in 2011 he signed with the Blue Jays. Is a baseball player, but decided to return for to to playing football instead. I mean, he is you know going to always have the uh, the two point conversion against the Packers in the NFC Championship game is a huge moment, and then also I think Techno Thursday, a key part of Luke Wilson's legacy in Seattle. Absolutely, and uh, you know, big t- Kylo Ren guy, <laughs> Lor Santeca, Maz Kanata, just can't get enough. Of of those uh, iconic characters, you know the Praetorian Guard. That's what Luke Wilson is all about. I mean, the, not a not a Jar Jar Binks guy. The gifts he would po- was posting were of a character from the original trilogy. To uh, be clear. But, but were they? Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> other transactions for the Seahawks besides the Luke Wilson saga. <laughs> Which it's, I mean, it's that's, not, a, it's not, that, a, that's, it's not a trilogy of Luke Wilson's career in Seattle because they signed him four times. Oh wow, there you go. Yeah, I don't know what the word is for four is compared to trilogy. Trilogy, wow, what's yeah. more than a trilogy? Quadology. I don't, I don't know. That doesn't, seems like it would be forty. Uh, acquired cornerback John Reed from the Texans for a conditional seventh round pick, which is. Usually a pretty good sign that that player was probably going to get cut and you're just jumping ahead of other teams on the waiver but, order. But when you hear the Texans... <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> you see the the worst player at the table, you want to take advantage of the worst player at the table. And Although, that's been the Houston Texans for a long period of time. At the same time, if the Texans value DeAndre Hopkins at a second-round pick, imagine how little they value anybody else. <laughs> I don't know. They valued... Uh, uh, who's the tackle? Jer- Larry Tunsil at multiple first round picks, including <laughs> yeah. one that ended up what third in the draft. The tra- that was the Trey Lance pick, right? 
Uh, Reed was a fourth round, conditional fourth round, or no, sorry, a compensatory fourth round selection in 2020, taken shortly after the Seahawks took Colby Parkinson and just before they drafted DJ Dallas, preseason star DJ Dallas, and Alton Robinson. So clearly someone the Seahawks had scouted a bit at that point, played 13 games as a rookie for Houston, seen action primarily on special teams. He started in week 16 versus Cincinnati and played more than 20% of defensive snaps two other games. Graded out as a 54, according to Pro Football Focus, the same general ballpark as Trey Flowers. Uh, Bob Condota reported, probably says more about Trey Flowers than it does about John Reed. Yeah. Right, recorded the Seahawks CM as an outside corner, although he's kind of got the uh, the frame of a, has some experience playing in the slot as well. Already age 25, he played five seasons at Penn State due to a reported ACL tear that sidelined him for the 2017 campaign. So uh, Pete Carroll said that part of the reason for this is that Trey Brown is dealing with some knee soreness, has been unable to practice since the preseason game on Saturday. So that's not an encouraging development uh the seahawks got a visit from multi-time pro bowl defensive tackle geno atkins longtime cincinnati bengals teammate of carlos dunlap but uh he visited but left without a deal as uh at, at this current point we'll see if they revisit that or if geno atkins lands somewhere else what would we would it make outside when i saw that geno atkins came in for a visit yeah, I mean, I, th- I could probably somewhat similar to KJ Wright in terms of he's got certain hopes in terms of how much he's going to make, and you know, teams are not willing to to meet that right now. Would be my my guess at it. So the the Seahawks were kicking the tires, so to say, you know, Atkins. But also, do you think that an element of it was to psychoanalyze this visit that we know nothing about? <laughs> Um, well, Pete Carroll said that he looked good in his workout. Was they felt like the Seahawks could convince him to sign for less by showing off how uh, exemplary of an organization they are. I, that's plausible, I suppose. I I don't I don't know for sure what they're thinking, because or what he's thinking. I'm sure they had a conversation about money going in. You would think. I don't think that Geno Atkins was surprised by the offer. No, no, I doubt that. If there if there was an offer, and but, they may have just wanted to get a look at him and see what what physical condition he's in at this stage of his career after okay. dealing with some injuries. So I mean, but the Seahawks do have money at this point. They do. I mean, the Jamal Adams extension substantially reduced his cap hit for this year, so they've got a lot of cap flexibility at this point. Now that money can be rolled over to the next season. Correct. I mean, that's the thing about the NFL is the salary cap is basically it's a it's a, a never ending thing. I guess it's the way I would put it because of the fact that you can roll that money over. How long is there a salary cap max? Can you roll it over forever? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there you have to spend a minimum amount as relative to the salary cap. I'm not sure if that's relative to the the cap space you have rolled over. I don't know if that affects that. There's a minimum every year, and then yes. you eventually have the most amount of money you could ever have in one epic season. <laughs> It sounds like a very interesting strategy to test out at Madden in a dynasty mode. I don't know. I think Madden resets it. I don't know if you can carry over money. Wow. I thought if it was in the game, it was in the game. I'll test that out. I'll test it out in Madden 22. Okay. Uh, but it would have been nice, I think, to have signed Geno Atkins at the very least if the money was right. I mean, the interior pass rush he provides is something the Seahawks don't really have with their... With certainly with their nose tackles. I think they're counting on L- LJ Collier to provide some of that. Puna especially. 
Yeah, put a Ford. That's true. I don't. But I don't know Jared Reed was a premier defensive tackle, interior pass rusher that you lost. What team is Jared Reed on? Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, I think I knew that somewhere deep down. I think I knew that. Seahawks released Jaron Reed, right? At his request, yes, after he was unwilling to restructure his contract. Hmm. So. So that's, I mean, that I think is the rule, presumably, that Geno Atkins would be filling if he came here. Is the Jaron Reed rule. More or less. I mean, I don't think he's going to play as high a percentage of snaps as Jaron Reed did at this stage of his career. But you're counting on you put him with better talent, you see better results, as happened with Carlos Dunlap. Do you think that, let's say that the number is $8 million for this year. I'd be surprised if it's that high. Is there a number that you feel like makes sense for Geno Atkins? I I mean, look, I, I'm not an expert in the NFL market here, but the ballpark I would draw it is like four to five million, I think is probably reasonable at this stage. So, okay. I mean, not that I would be like furious if the Seahawks paid him more than that. Like they, they're the ones who worked him out and know where he's at physically. Like this, this guy was very a, strange to be furious how an NFL team was spending their money. Oh, I don't know if I've ever introduced you to the internet. God. I don't know if you've ever been on a thing called Twitter.com. I think I've, I've become too of a high level thinker too. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, dear. <laughs> high level. Thinker. Well, God. you are definitely too high level of a thinker to care about the rest of the NFL 100 list. There we go. The Seahawks rank on I, it. I take back what I said. I I mean that uh, high level thinker is the wrong way, but it, more just I just I just can't. <laughs> <laughs> you you've got other concerns right now. I'm just uh, there's just so many children, yeah. <laughs> and so few of them are vaccinated, and you just. You just have to be responsible for them. That's There's almost true. no other way. You can't really just leave them to wander alone. Uh, I try. You, <laughs> you do not try. You try to drop them off in my house sometimes. I have uh, all, not lately. It's true. They wouldn't be able to get in the door. Well, uh, so <laughs> that's an inside joke for you and me. <laughs> <laughs> if the famous cousin Katie listens to this podcast, she might get it. She won't. Uh, the the forty through ten segment, forty through eleven segment of the NFL one hundred list was released last Sunday, and it featured several Seahawks. There we go. All the remaining Seahawks, presumably, unless Michael Dixon cracked the top. There we 10. go. Uh, number thirty one, Jamal Adams, down from twenty seven last season. Number twenty five, Bobby Wagner, taking a bit of a tumble after ranking thirteenth last season, which is surprising because his performance didn't really seem all that much worse. Number 22, DK Metcalf, jumping up from 91, a, a 15, wait, no, a, a 69 spot <laughs> jump in the rankings. Machine, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> and number 12, Russell Wilson, tumbling from number two overall last year. That's That that 10 spots is on Pete Carroll fixing the offense <laughs> in the second half of the season. I feel like people are too down on Russell Wilson's 2020 because they, they have such visceral memories of the second half of the season that they don't remember the first half I of mean, the season. I mean, he was the best player in the NFL over the first half of the season. He was right there in the MVP. I mean, the overall numbers were not, not particularly great. I will say. Do we have the rest of those of this list? Is it the done? top ten is will not be revealed until next Sunday? Oh, so we don't know precisely how many quarterbacks are ahead of Wilson, who is 
eighth in QBR last year. Although we, I think we, you could probably guess how many, if you wanted to take the time, you could probably figure out. Look, Jameis Winston isn't going to be ahead of him, but if there have been quarterbacks that haven't been named, Rodgers, Mahomes, Brady, people like that. Rodgers, Mahomes, and Brady are surely ahead of him. Uh, I would assume that Josh well, Allen is Josh the Allen's quarterback. Is in that Lamar Jackson. Team. Lamar was like 24th. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Look. I mean, if you wanted to take the time, you could figure out how many quarterbacks are ahead of Russell Wilson. I don't think we're going to have any surprises at this point. Tebow isn't sneaking in there. Oh, like, no. <laughs> uh, I mean, not as a quarterback. I think if you really want, you're not going to acknowledge that joke. <laughs> not as a quarterback. <laughs> uh, if you really wanted to take the time, I'm sure there are people out there who have done this. You can figure out what the top ten is. I didn't realize they ranked Deshaun Watson. He was Did, 18th. They ranked Deshaun Watson 18. Uh, uh, Baby Fantasy Genius told me that they took away in Madden. You know they have X factors in Madden, and they took away Deshaun Watson's X factor. I, I have no response to that. I have no response to that. That's just like that's that's what they decided to do. That's that's what Madden, that's how they handled it. Yeah, that's what Madden came to. I'm assuming Ryan Tannehill is not in the top ten, despite being one of those seven quarterbacks who was ahead of Russell Wilson in QBR last year. I'm also assuming the same about Ryan Fitzpatrick. Has he? <laughs> God, if you ask these people, Matt Stafford's probably number one. Well. Uh, where where is DK ranked among the receivers that have been announced so far? Well, of the other receivers, uh, Stefan Diggs is number eleven. Oh, okay. So he is the uh, the top ranked receiver who is outside of the the top ten that has not yet been revealed. We probably will have a couple of receivers, I would guess. I assume I don't think I saw Devonte Adams in the top twenty, so I assume he's in there, and maybe Julio Jones, Tyreek Hill. No, Tyreek Hill was 15th, he, so he is ahead of DK, but he's not in the top 10. I think I'm good with that, though, for DK. Oh, yeah, that's completely reasonable for DK. It, it's it's a spot where it's high enough. I mean, but he can also grow from there. For sure. You know, I think he and he and Russ both could be higher. Obviously, Russ has been, but... Well, Julio Jones is number 29. So he is behind DK, obviously. Uh huh. DK Metcalf is better than Julio Jones. Always said it. Uh huh. <laughs> Julio is the poor man's DK. Yeah. Well known fact. Uh yeah. Th- that's it as far as wide receivers who are ahead of him that have, have been ranked thus far. Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill and Stephon Diggs. And Diggs. So presumably Devonte Adams at the very least in the top ten. Again, if we wanted to take the time, we could figure it out. Probably. But we're we're already more than in, nearly an hour twenty into this podcast, yeah. so I don't want to take the time. We've got all sorts of sequel memes to get to. <laughs> uh, on that note, thanks for listening. Thanks. <laughs>